It was more like follow the leader. And that's not how a fitness student thinks. They want to be instructed. Yeah? Dancers can follow the leader, but not a fitness person. Join Jelena's Ballet Dance Evolution for their 10-year anniversary performance featuring the best of BDE, classic choreography, epic music, and the stars that tell the stories of Immortal Desires, Dark Side of the Crown, Alice in Wonderland, and Phantasm. See the show in Los Angeles on August 24 or audition for the cast by June 19th. More information at BalletDanceEvolution.com Welcome to Baladance Live podcast with weekly portion of stories, tips and dance inspiration. My name is Jana Komarnitska, I'm your host and I invite you to explore all nuances of Baladance Live together with me and our amazing guests. Let's start! This episode is brought to you by My Inner Dance, a lifestyle and fashion brand inspired by Baladance. You can find uh, all a great selection of different items at uh, the website myinnerdancer.com. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? How's it going? Every single episode of this podcast, uh, my goal is to light a fire in, in your dance life. And I kind of have this approach not only for podcasts, but I even start thinking about this in every blog post, in every Instagram post that I do, as well as in every project that I create. And challenge was definitely one of those. And seeing your feedback and seeing your participation and still some people are enrolling and doing all the drills just starting now, that's one of the biggest rewards. Seeing that it really worked, we managed to boost a little bit of more dancing in your life and you still keep going and practicing and polishing and uh, staying on the same track and the consistency of your your dance training. I hope this boost will last for quite a while. <laughs> um, if you still want to check uh, the drills of the videos for our Better Dance Life podcast challenge, they're still available. Uh, yes, we officially sort of summed up the challenge gave all the gifts. By the way, uh, you can check uh, them on the web page as well as you can still find there all videos and all drills. If you just want to check them out, if you miss the challenge or you want to review them, I still keep the page up. It's uh, yanadance.com slash challenge. There is information about all videos, there is information about all gifts and who received them and I also hope you enjoy a bonus gift of a DVD that was a little surprise at the end uh, but I was really so moved by your participation and engagement that I could not uh, not 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 give something else. Honestly, on the day when we uh, were doing a, a lottery, a random draw of the winner, I was like partially like I was super happy for everyone and for lucky gift receivers, but I was uh, partially so sad because I just wanted to give gifts to everyone. <laughs> so that's what basically happened. And I know a lot of you already messaged me, uh, like, when is the next challenge? When is the next challenge? Okay, guys, there will be more challenges. We'll have at least one challenge by the end of this year, but please don't expect it tomorrow or next week. <laughs> 
<laughs> it to be honest takes quite a lot of work to just organize all logistics and uh, I had such a marathon of uh, looking and scrolling via Instagram during the last two weeks that I want to um, sort of recharge and refocus and also think about some other new ideas for the challenge. I have a couple of them but I want to sort of marinate them and hopefully surprise you even more with something different and uh, uh, also exciting. But I am pretty sure that uh, buzz and uh, uh, energy uh, portion from this challenge should last for quite a while. So if it doesn't, again, stop finding excuses. We proved you that you can dance more in those last uh, two weeks and now you know you can. So it's only the matter of continuing your own practice. <laughs> Also, uh, while reading your uh, Instagram posts regarding the challenge, I noticed that a lot of you have um, uh, mentioned that you are dreaming about becoming professional dancers and either uh, performing at worldwide festivals, but also a lot of you mentioned that you would like to just start performing locally at, uh, at your city and uh, having local ballet dance events and spread love and share passion to dance to general audience as well as bring fun to their celebrations. Uh, so I kind of thought about uh, one more interesting resource that you probably will want to, <laughs> to get. So I put together you a special uh, list of tips on how to structure a 20-minute ballet dance program for both Arabic and non-Arabic audience. So it's a series of tips on what I use because I know for many dancers, ballet dancers, it's a pain point then uh, they get one of their first gigs or even not the first ones because you are too used to the stage performances then it's like one song, that's it. Like sometimes maybe two but it's like one song. But what about if you need to perform for like 20 minutes? plus minus, that's a different story and there are kind of some rules and tips on how to structure those 20 minutes so they're interesting and more or less easy uh, for you. I mean, easy in terms like you're not dying after the second song, <laughs> already you can survive for 20 minutes, but also they are interesting and engaging for, for your audience to watch, especially if you are talking about non-Arabic audience who has no connection to ballet dance, they don't understand the the lyrics, they need some uh, special approach to make them stay engaged for the whole program of 20 minutes. So that's why I sort of collected and put together uh, my own list of uh, tips and uh, you can get them for free. You just need to visit yanandance.com slash podcast slash tips and where's there this uh, free resource is. So you just need to go there and uh, get it. Again, as usual, I will put a link to the uh, show notes, direct link to this uh, free resource. And I hope you'll enjoy it and let me know what you think. And if you use any of those uh, tips from my own experience and uh, use them in your own practice and if it made a difference in your show. Now... Let's move to our today's guest and today's episode. Please welcome a beautiful Orit. 
Uh, this is a true interesting combination of uh, uh, different activities and professional activities, uh, fitness and ballet dance that she blended in her unique and uh, original program, Sharky. Arid has uh, 20 plus, I believe around 25 years of experience as a fitness and dance instructor. Uh, she was featured on NBC, ABC, CBC, and CNN, and this is just a few uh, programs and channels, but also she has uh, titles of uh, Ballet Dance of the Year, Jewel of the Nile, Entertainer of the Year, and Middle Eastern Dance Champion of North America. So this is a truly cool combination of being acknowledged as a fitness expert and as a ballet dance professional. In this uh, conversation, she will tell you how she actually started uh, and came up with this idea of blending fitness and ballet dance that became the core of Sharky program. But today this program is taught all around the world. They have it all over USA, but not only, far beyond, and we'll talk about that too. Honestly, this conversation actually challenged me to think how sometimes we are not very open-minded about uh, ballet dance presentation other than authentic, like a regular ballet dance class. And we sometimes forget that uh, a lot of us actually find out about ballet dance from, for instance, fitness or from uh, soap operas or from singers. But once we grew as ballet dancers and become mature as professionals, we sometimes start... Um, Appreciating less those kind of uh, ballet dance entries, forgetting that this can be a, such a cool and amazing opportunity to engage general crowd and grow our ballet dance tribe all around the world. Also, I was really impressed how Reed was super open and straightforward and honest topic, talking about business side of our industry. And this is a struggle for many artists. We sometimes uh, just justify our lack of financial success is like, oh, I'm not a good entrepreneur, or I'm not a seller, or I don't want to do business, I want to do art. Yes, but to do art properly and to do art on a big level, you need to make sure you are actually taking care of yourself. And finances is a, one of the important uh, aspects of our life. You can't avoid it unless you go, I don't know, to a mountain uh, area and start living on your own and farming it and like not being part of actual community. But let's, let's face it honestly, in a regular life of 99.9% .9 of us, um, we are dealing with this subject. And having financial health in your business and in your uh, personal, like individual life is important to make sure that you are not stressed about it and you can actually focus on art and you can present art on a proper level that it can actually interest people in your work and hopefully transform them into first your uh, raving fans and then secondly even in your ballet dance colleagues who knows i hope this uh, interview this episode will challenge uh, you to think or rethink about your own ideas and uh, beliefs uh, about this industry that and art industry that we all love and now without further delay uh, please welcome beautiful Orit
Hello, Orita. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, I am like very excited about our topic today and uh, talking about your activities and your uh, dance journey and things you're bringing to belly dance community. It's going to be very exciting. So thank you for taking time and welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. I'm happy to hear it. Um, let's start from uh, from the very beginning. Um, how did uh, ballet dance in general entered your life? Do you remember your first ballet dance class? Yes, actually, um, I saw belly dance the first time when I was a child. I am Israeli of Yemeni descent. So my grandparents are from Yemen and my parents are from Israel. Um, And belly dance is part of our culture because we are Arabic Jews. um, And that's pretty much half the culture in Israel. So you have half the culture in Israel from Eastern Europe or other or even North Africa or even some other Western Europe as well. And also from um, Arabic countries and uh, Spain. And that's where the term Sephardic comes from and Ashkenazi comes from. Um, So um, um, I saw it as a child, um, absolutely loved it, but hated it as I grew older. (laughs) How so? (laughs) Well, um, um, I am from New York and, you know, as when you in, mid- in middle school, you want to be like everybody else. So being the only darker complexion person uh, or the person that has big, black, curly hair, you kind of stick out, you know, and you want to be like everybody else. So I just hated who I was, um, where I was from. I wanted to celebrate Christmas. I wanted to have blonde hair. I want to have blue eyes, that type of thing. So that, so I really started to, yeah, just hate my culture. Yeah. But then I grew to like it again uh, when I um, entered my 20s. How big uh, belly dance is a part of uh, actual culture in Israel? Because I'm not much familiar. I heard very conflicting stories and like Egypt, Israel, belly dance, that there were some cases that belly, dance from, belly dancers from Israel supposedly couldn't go to Egypt. But then I saw many dancers uh, from there actually going and having like festivals and everything is okay. So there is a lot of, um, I kind of feel misconceptions and miscommunication. So how big belly dance? is uh, in Israel and what what place in a culture or local culture uh, does it take? Yes, that's a great question. Um, com- Israel is complicated. Yeah. So Israel became a state, a Jewish state in 1948. Yeah. And at that time, Jews of Middle Eastern heritage and North African heritage were more inclined to not practice their heritage or or play their music. And and again, this is my take and my parents' take. Yeah. Um, The reason why is because Middle Eastern Jews and North African Jews did not want to be mistaken for Palestinian. So although Palestinians are our cousins. We speak the same language. We eat the same food. Uh, we look the same because we are of darker complexion. Um, 
we just wanted to make sure we stuck with the Eastern European, Western European feel and continue that Jewish state. Um, before Israel was a state, Palestinians and Jews were living, were very harmonious. Yeah. Um, I just feel like once it became a state politically, it started to become more complicated. Um, and especially, for example, um, my parents, uh, of course, know Arabic, but they learned it in the house. Their first language is Hebrew. But they would speak on the streets and people would say, no, 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 no. Don't speak Arabic. People will mistake you for Palestinian. Mm. So um, just now there's a resurgence, I would say, in the past 20 years where Sephardic Jews, and when I say Sephardic, I mean Middle Eastern and North African, are now going back to their culture and appreciating their culture, speaking the language, doing their indigenous dance. Yeah. And that's where I, I, I feel 20 years ago, it started to come up again. And now we're really appreciating who we are. And this is who we are. Israel is, is, is so diverse and multicultural, although we are all Jewish, but we come from different backgrounds and not all Jewish. We have people who are Muslim, people who are Christian as well. And it's beautiful. So I think now we're just accepting that. So um, there used to be a place for belly dance, even in the 80s, I noticed. Um, my parents used to go to Egypt all the time. Um, once fundament fundamentalism started to come about, um, less Jews were going to Egypt and there was a little bit more conflict. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It's it, it's complicated, but I would say it's more of a new thing, a new resurgence. Would you say that ballet dance in Israel is sort of the same as in Egypt, or does it did it um, start having its own flavor in any kind of uh, uh, aspect? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, Israel is right near Egypt and Turkey. So it's like an hour plane ride, right? Mm -hmm. Either way. Um, I would say we have a lot of influences from of Egyptian and Turkish. That's I think I feel that's the base of our belly dance there. But now that we have so many people who are immigrating from South America um, and Africa, um, we would get this nice, beautiful flavor too. But I would say our base is probably more Egyptian with a little, with a, a little bit of Turkish. Mm -hmm. And then all the other flavors mixed in as well. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, isn't it? It's beautiful. Coming back to actually your story. So what you what made you uh, fall in love with ballet dance again in your 20s? <laughs> Oh, that's a great question. Okay. You always have great questions. Um, <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll t well, so remember in middle school, I didn't look like everybody else, right? <laughs> so in my 20s, I lived in Manhattan in New York City, and I was a contemporary dancer. And that was in the 90s, saying my age. Um, and so um um, in the 90s, um, it was all about looking the part. Um, it's not like how contemporary dance is now, where people really appreciate your individuality and the difference, right? Um, so I was either too dark, too short, too fat. My hair was too big. Um, so I never really fit in. Um, I did, I did 
um, performed professionally for about 10 years. I did make some career out of it, but I also supplemented my living in Manhattan with fitness. Yeah, because I'm going to be in the gym anyway, so might as well get paid for it. Mm -hmm. And it is somewhat performance oriented. And um, I was teaching like all the trendy workouts at that time at really trendy gyms. And then I realized, you know what? I kind of don't fit the part either. At that time in the 90s, being a beautiful man was really in. Yeah. And a lot of women and men were taking just, you know, fitness classes from these really beautiful people. And I just didn't fit the part. Here I am small. Um, maybe people didn't think I could command a room. Maybe people didn't take me seriously, but here I go again. I didn't fit in. Yeah. So until one day I was at a an instructor meeting at Gold's Gym in Manhattan. And my uh, director said, look, we need to increase student retention. And I want you guys to think of some new, exciting ideas for classes, fitness classes. And I raised my hand. I said, belly dance fitness. Um, so um, he said, okay, you teach next week. I'm like, what? So I had to create this whole thing. And um, I started teaching next week. And I absolutely loved it. And you know why? Because I fit the part. <laughs> I started to fit the part. Here I am. I'm already a contemporary dancer. I grew up with the art form of belly dance. Um, and I do fitness. And what a beautiful marriage this was. I'm also of dark complexion, uh, black hair, curly hair. I look like a person of that region, right? So I'm like, this is fabulous. And so um, that's how I started to fall in love with it. And when I started to teach belly dance fitness, I was like, hmm, let me brush up on my skills. So I started to take a little bit more classes and and that's how my format was created. You know, uh, I recently heard a very nice phrase, but right now my memory will like not uh, recount it fully uh, as it was. So I'll just tell the meaning. But um, you know, those situations that we don't feel like we fit into something, it's actually amazing and grateful uh, things from the universe because universe is just leading us to the things that actually are meant to be for us because nobody can um, take our place and sometimes we envy people we say oh they have this that's why they are doing like uh, these things or they're more like you know, successful or they are uh, more active or other people are going to that and we always contributed to something uh, that they have or they did and we don't have instead of focusing and just believing that our, what things meant for us to be, nobody can can take that spot, and we just need to to find it. And whenever we feel that we don't fit, it's just the signal. Okay, keep looking, keep searching for your thing. And uh, I kind of feel it's perfect perfect example with you. What happened in your career? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Bingo! You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> it was like you have to appreciate all these beautiful no's that you receive in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, how did your story unfold it after you start receiving yes? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I created my format in 1998 in Manhattan. 
the hardest place to start a business. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It did really, really well. Thanks to Shakira. <laughs> and thanks to this wonderful soap opera called El Clon. Yeah. So I had a lot, a lot of women of uh, Latina, dis- Latino descent come into my classes. Uh, Shakira, again, like I said, it was mm-hmm. it was a big hit with her. And um, yeah, and it started to spread. I began to um, expand my business to the tri-state area. When I say tri-state, I mean um, Connecticut, New Jersey, you know, just the surrounding cities. Okay, let's let's not jump jump over because uh, we were talking. You were. You were working at someone else's gym. Yes. How did you transition to your own your own thing? Oh, of course. Okay. That, Sorry I for think jumping. that's very no. It's it's awesome. Like, and of course, I would love to talk how you expanded the over the whole country. But I think for many dancers, is the point pain point. Okay, when to start your own thing and how even to start and how how to approach. So let's let's focus on that too because I think that's very exciting to to talk about. Absolutely. Um, so when I started to teach the class after my director said, okay, you start next week. Okay. When I started to develop it, I noticed that during that time, Latin aerobics became a big craze. And this was a little bit before Zumba came about. And when Latin aerobics became a big craze, I noticed that directors were hiring Latin ballroom dancers to teach. So I was watching these classes and I noticed uh, students were leaving one by one. The reason why is because these teachers were not certified in fitness. Although they were great teachers, they didn't know how to structure a fitness class. So what I mean is a fitness enthusiast, the way they think is, where should I be feeling it? I'm doing a bicep curl. I should be feeling it in the bicep. And that's how a fitness instructor teaches. They teach via the muscles and they know how to structure a class. So you have a warm up, you lead up to a peak, and then you have a cool down. So with these Latin ballroom instructors who were absolutely beautiful, um, it was more like follow the leader. And that's not how a fitness student thinks. They want to be instructed. Yeah. Dancers can follow the leader, but not a fitness person. Um, So I was like, hmm, I see that. Okay, I have this skill of knowing how to structure a fitness class. So let me continue that fitness structure, but give belly dance movement. Yeah. Um, Then when I was taking classes in belly dance, just to brush up on my skills, I then noticed, wow belly dance teachers that I'm taking are doing it that way too. They're actually just teaching via follow me and you figure it out. Yeah. Without specific instruction. I'm like, there's this common denominator here. There's not many people going to this Latin fitness class, not many people going into this traditional belly class. What's the common denominator here? It's the way they're instructing. So that's what I focused on. So I focused on how to break down movement from its root and then build it up with layers. So I start to uh, formulate this and I noticed, oh my God, this is working. The fitness enthusiast is actually picking up this movement. So 
fitness people would say to me, well, I can't belly dance. Well, oh, yes, you can. If you come to my class, I'll show you how. And so um, that's what I that's what I did. It's merely my format is from the add on method of the low impact aerobic days back in the 80s. It's a method that didn't die. All I did, I, I took it, I developed a, a few more layers, yeah, and uh, and it worked. And people were having these aha moments, um, and people were absolutely loving it. And they were actually felt so good to finally go into a class and not feel pressured to look like something, to look like the instructor. And me, here, me, here I am as a teacher. I am, I'm fit. But I'm petite, I'm curvaceous, I'm not like muscly, but I'm strong. And people could relate to me. They're like, ah, oh, like finally, I can love my body. It feels good. I feel like a woman and so on and so forth. And and yeah, that's how I knew I had something. Mm. By the way, you mentioned something very interesting. You mentioned that in a fitness class, first of all, uh, huge credit and just to bring attention of teachers to the point that you are not structuring or point or paying attention to what you think students should do you should think about how your students think and what they are looking for and i really love how you always are pointing to the phrase that's not how fitness students think and this can be translated to Whichever uh, then sort of like uh, direction we are going, are we teaching professional future ballet dancers or are we teaching just fitness people or we are doing some, I don't know, uh, recreational, uh, more like spiritual class. We, we need to focus as teachers on how students think and how what they are looking for. And from that structure, our class, not from the point of... Uh, not to say that we need to please them, but we need to put it under the marinade of what they are looking for. And we need to cover like the kale in the chocolate. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Um, but one thing that brought my attention, you were talking about that fitness students, they're always thinking, okay, which muscle work, which, uh, uh, what I need to feel in my body. And I have a question. I can easily relate belly dance as an option for cardio, but you're calling your uh, classes uh, belly dance workout. And I don't know if you mean by that more than just cardio workout. So can you please expand? Because I can uh, very vaguely see how belly dance can build muscles. I mean, it can some specific, but it's not like what fitness students, in my opinion, would look uh, uh going to the gym like or, or maybe they are like that's why like i'm really looking like do you see belly dance only as a cardio workout or you found some opportunities to make it a full body workout including strength workout <laughs> great yeah um yes i found the opportunity to make it a cardio workout and a strength building workout and it's all in the drills yeah. And it's all in how you instruct how how to initiate the movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're thinking about the muscles, the muscle that is moving, you're going to be working harder on that muscle. Um, like, for example, a hip lift in my format, 
I call this the stance that we're in pretty stance because we look pretty in it. Okay. So we have one leg bent and then you have the opposite toe on in front and that same toe, that hip is lifting. So that can be strength building right there. Yeah. By doing multiple hip lifts or hip drops for like a minute to five minutes. That's strength building to a point though, because you're using your own body's resistance. You're not adding weight, but can you add weight? Heck yeah. And I've done that too, where you wear a weighted um, mm. belt. And maybe even I'm just thinking now on the uh, feet, like they're around ankles, they have this fitness Absolutely. like weightiness. Huh. That's uh, yeah. interesting. Do you use a lot of weights in your uh, belly dance workout class? In Manhattan, I did a format called Belly Blast by Sharky. Yes, we had weighted belts, five to eight pounds weighted belt, and we belly danced with that. And then we worked on our arms by doing across the floor movements, belly dance movements, with the arms up, holding the belts up. Um, so that's a full body workout right there. Wow. It, it just blew my mind because I realized, like, huh, I have seen a couple of dancers doing this, like, using even weights and doing, I don't know, treats, uh, triceps, biceps, exercises while shimming. <laughs> but it yeah. never crossed my mind, really, like, huh, that's that's the opportunity to actually use ballet dance as a strength and cardio, almost like, I don't know if you can do it at the same time, but more or less, uh, actually, yeah, wow. Okay, Um Another interesting thing, on your website, you are um, saying that you are not selling weight loss. That for you, fitness and workout is not about weight loss. Uh, I know the continuation of this phrase, but can you expand on this idea and what actually you are uh, selling and teaching (laughs) in your classes? That phrase comes from my own insecurities and my own issues growing up. Like I told you, I never fit the part. And a lot of the time it was due to how I looked, my height and my weight. Um, So I never felt like I was skinny enough. And I was tired of feeling bad about myself um, because I felt like I was fit. And I had to really learn that fitness is feeling good from the inside out. It's how you feel, not how you look in the mirror. and I've especially come to terms with my body after having two children, two, two kids. And um, uh, look, you have no control, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so you really learn to accept. But um, and I really learned to appreciate what my body can do and not what it can't. So that's where that phrase comes from. So if I'm not selling weight loss. I am selling your beauty their beauty. I use this phrase a lot when I'm teaching. Instead of saying, oh, great job, so-and-so doing that movement. I do say some, do say that sometimes, but I would say, wow, look how beautiful you are in the mirror. Did you see how beautiful you are? Yeah. So, and that really lightens them up and they're like, dang, I am beautiful, <laughs> you know? And so the people just leave my class feeling like, you know, just, they got, I don't know, just rejuvenated pretty much. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Like I also keep telling uh, teachers uh, um, that oh, in general, not even teachers, anyone, like when we are selling something, 
we are not selling the product. We are not selling. We are selling the feeling. We are selling the hope for people how they want to be. And sometimes uh, uh, teachers or event festivals uh, or anyone is complaining. Oh, we don't have enough people in the classes or yeah. attending event. Yeah, like take a look at your advertising. Sometimes that's just or your present. Not even advertising presentation in general. It's not about number of classes or number of dance moves that you are teaching in the class it's never about that it's about um results feelings transformation exactly. of students and uh, that's beautiful like the way instead of just saying a uh, great job like bring their attention to their own uh, beauty and confidence and feeling and uh yeah that's that's beautiful way of uh, teaching and uh, uh, I think a lot of teachers listening now can incorporate in their own classes, regardless of what kind of ballet dance or what style of ballet dance they're teaching. That's beautiful tip. <laughs> yeah, good, good. I'm glad. Take it, everybody. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you find that uh, attendance of classes increased once you start uh, teaching not just fitness classes and not just ballet dance classes, but a mix fitness and ballet dance? <laughs> yes, I'll tell you why. Because the fitness industry is much bigger than the dance industry. You're going to get more people taking classes when it's fitness. Also, um, when something is described as fitness, it's not as scary as when something is described as dance. Ah, that's a cool yeah, point. For, for people. So people can relate more to the fitness. And also just from a business perspective, and let me know if I'm jumping too much, as a teacher, um, learning how to teach belly dance fitness or workout, whatever, will just bring more people into your traditional belly dance classes. Because I kid you not, it's like clockwork. At six months, when students take my classes at the six-month mark, they come to me and they're like, oh, wait, okay, I love this fitness thing. Now I want to learn the dance. And that was exactly my next question. If you had uh, students who started just doing it for fitness purposes, but then later came and started into ballet dance and maybe even professional ballet dancers today, Yep. Did you have like those cases? Oh, um, professional belly dancers. Let me just think. I've had a few, but I've had more cases where my students became actual Sharky instructors mm. of my format. Yeah, but 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 it definitely increased on their part to do their own research and study the art of belly dance, whether it's with me or another teacher. That's great. How also do you work with uh, the fact that probably in a fitness class there is a lot of um, flow of people? Because in ballet dance class we have the structure, okay, first uh, like one term, ballet dance, beginners, intermediate, advanced, and then next term, like next level. So if you kind of structure classes uh, from term to term, but in a fitness class, in a gym especially, it's more like open, uh, like you come, you want you come, you don't want you don't come. There is no pressure of showing up every time unless they like their own motivation to get fit. But there is no pressure like, oh, we're finishing learning choreography or we have student hafla or like something like that. How do you work with classes that can always have a 
people with very different levels and some people are literally just coming for the first time and even seeing belly dance or hearing the word belly dance in their <laughs> environment. How do you work and how do you have structure your classes? Well, that's the beauty of the Sharky format that I teach. You're able to teach a multi-level class because uh, when you break it down to the root and then you add layers on top of it, the layers are the different levels. And that's mm -hmm. how you're able to teach multi-level classes. Those of you who are new, stick with this nuance. Those of you who have been here, add these two nuances. And it's still the same root move. So you have like one class or do you still have different levels of classes? Like fitness for beginners? One. One, one class. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's, that's super interesting. How did Baladin's community usually reacts and how did Baladin's community reacted then you just start opening and promoting like this Baladin's as a fitness what was the reaction did you have uh, I don't know I have no idea actually how it could have been back then and how it is now so can you can you tell a little bit about that <laughs> sure well, I know this was a long time ago and so and it takes a while for people to get used to the idea um I would say, I, again, speaking from my own experience, um, I don't think I had a great response from the community, which is okay, and I get it. Here I am coming in, teaching belly dance fitness, and some of these belly dancers are feeling that, oh, if you're making it fitness, you're making it unauthentic, yeah? Um, or you're making it watered down. Where in Sharky, it's it's not watered down belly dance. Um, it is authentic moves, just kicked up a notch, pretty much. Um, so no, I don't think um, it was welcomed well in the community. Again, this is what I felt, um, um, and especially when I became accredited, when the Sharky format was accredited by AFA. ACE and NASM, they are the top fitness associations of group fitness. Um, that's what what the fitness facilities wanted. So it was very tough for the traditional belly dancer to get a teaching job at a fitness club because then these directors wanted, well, we have Sharky here and it's accredited. That's what we need because otherwise you're a liability. If you hurt somebody, Sharky is accredited. It's considered a safe workout. It's considered a fitness workout. So I think some people might have felt I was monopolizing the fitness classes there because I was also then certifying other people. And so they were doing um, Sharky classes at other fitness facilities. Um, but over time, people started to get used to it. They started to get to know me. Um, People didn't think I was from that origin. Um, I think just a lot later, um, they realized, oh, Ari is Middle Eastern, um, but that doesn't mean anything. I have a lot to learn still. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Um, um, but but yeah, and then and, and also I just wanted to show people that I was I am credible as um, you know I, I travel to the West Coast of the U.S. I've won a few belly dance competitions, so I just kind of want to show people that. Hey, I am credible, although I do teach this belly dance fitness. And how did you start uh, expanding? Because now, like, you have studios, uh, you have locations. Uh, 
that teach your style of workout all around USA. Do you have in any other countries except USA? I do. I have, um, it's, it's in New Zealand, Canada, in Montreal, um, where else? Germany. There was one in India, but not anymore. Um, yeah, um, it's oh, I forget. It's in 16 countries, 26 states. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's on my website. It's obviously not you teacher all those classes. No, no, no. So, no. so how, how did you start growing and how did you start um, having your students uh, teaching, teaching your workouts? Yeah, so um, so I became a company. I, I started in 1998, became incorporated in 2000, and then started to teach people how to do it in 2002, and then became accredited in 2004. So um, yeah, when I when I saw that, hey, my format's working, I might as well, you know, duplicate myself. <laughs> so um, I, that's when I started to certify people. I, I um, did live trainings. I created a manual. It was a three-day training. Um, and then I was traveling and doing this. And then up until 2014, when I couldn't travel anymore, um, I, I put my training online. Mm-hmm. Why did you feel necessity back then to go into and become incorporated? Because uh, this is not usually typical thoughts on a dancer's uh, uh, mind. We just like start teaching opening classes. We are, I mean, we registering according to our own countries, but uh, we, for a long time, we are not considering our dance activities as a business. Yeah, and they should. People should, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. Can can you expand a little bit more? Like, what brought you to the idea of okay, I need to take it seriously, not just whatever class I'm renting studio and doing advertising and ha- having people like, but I'm actually treating it as a business. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Um, well, I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. I liked it. I wanted to be legitimate. Um, in order for me to sell products, create DVDs, I need to have a business. Yeah. If I'm going to be a trademarked name, I need, it needs to be a business. Um, so, so I just followed the fitness business structure. Cool. Um, so that, that's what I did. Um, and, and I knew this is what I wanted to do and I wanted to to make this big. And, and my mission was to change people's perspective of belly dance. Yeah. Through fitness. Mm-hmm. And once uh, people start taking your courses and, uh, your, um, certification to teach, um, how does it look uh, for them? Like what kind of relationships you have with students? Is it just for them? Like take this, I don't know, three day course or this online course and that's it. They are free to do whatever they want. Or you still have uh, some kind of communication or you give them, I don't know, like how does that structure work? Can you tell us? Yeah, more? <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah. Um, you know what? I was never, ever mentored when I was, you know, growing up, you know, as in my young 20s with my group fitness certification, no one ever mentored me. And so I made such bad mistakes, even expensive mistakes. Yeah. So half the bat and no one taught me the business side of it. How do you get people in the door? Okay, I'm certified. I've got this piece of paper. Now what? 
this is the beautiful thing that we do with Sharky and my team. Um, so not only do you get certified, we mentor you on how to get people through the door. There's this whole marketing aspect of being a, a Sharky instructor. So they get certified they sh- um, and then they go through a module called the Sharky Marketing Module. We teach people how to um, film themselves, how to take pictures of themselves, how to upload onto social media, what to hashtag, how to caption it, what the subject line should be, that sort of thing. Because a lot of our instructors, I would say, are not as technical tech savvy. So we teach them that. But we, besides that, the technical aspect, we also teach them that, you know, how to audition for a fitness facility, um, how you can make the most money and the most money, you can make more money by renting a studio and getting paid, people paying you as opposed to getting paid per hour at a fitness facility. And we teach you that. We teach you how to, what to uh, charge your classes based on your where you're living. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. And a lot more. We also offer free services as a Sharky instructor. Uh, we provide flyer templates for you. We create business cards. We, we help you get started and we have an amazing community. Mm, that's awesome. And that's a, a bunch of like skills that usually are not taught in a dance class. Uh, mm. so this is very, very, very helpful. Um, how I'm sure a lot of our listeners now like kind of trying to question and guess like okay but what's the deal like this trademark okay you registered it you have your like own like um system how you teach and you certify other dances does it mean that nobody else in the world can teach ballet dance fitness class <laughs> not at all yeah uh when I'm trademarked it, to be trademarked so that nobody else can take your name. That's all, pretty much. Um, I mean, to be to copyright your format, no one can take that format exactly. But can anybody else teach their own belly dance fitness? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just feel I just wanted to create this because. I've done belly dance all my life. My The women in my family has, have done belly dance. And I just wanted to figure out a way so that I understood it and so the regular person can understand it. So I just feel like my way is not the right way, but I really feel like it's an effective way. And I have like 25 years experience. So, and I've tried many ways, you know, and I figured out the way that really works. Mm. Well, and it's definitely important to protect uh, your work uh, and your uh, copyright on the program and things. Uh, I was just very curious because uh, uh, someone, I don't know, many years ago, I remember someone and I don't know if they were talking about your program or maybe it was something else, a fitness program in USA, but uh, maybe they misunderstood and I misunderstood, but then there's someone was saying like, oh, you can't use uh, uh, fitness in the, your title or whatever discussion. I don't remember what it was, even like fitness in the title of balance class, because you first need to be certified by this like program, etc. So I also feel there is a lot of miscommunication when we start talking about business side of ballet dance. We are so much into dance and artistic uh, topics that we are very, feel very lost in trying to avoid as much as possible, like the business side and trademarks and what. And like talking to you now, realizing that 
Okay, you have elements of having weights incorporated in your ballet and straining, but there are a lot of other dancers who I'm now like recounting, uh, they do in their own training and they teach local classes like that. And I'm pretty sure like those people who I saw, they probably, uh, they didn't even know about your program or like this you as it's not completely different country so that's why i was wanted to also clarify but it's, it's not about names or specific words it's about literally copying it's the same like choreography it's one thing to take one element of i don't know combination of movement you liked and interpret it in your own way and incorporate in your own choreography and it's different thing to copy the whole choreography from YouTube and present it as yours or teach it somewhere. <laughs> so it's the same thing with uh, these kind of uh, things of certifications and trademarks and um, uh, these copyright uh, registered programs. It's one thing to get some like idea or even create this related idea on your own which may sound similar but it's a completely different thing to actually take the class copy it and teach it and present yourself did you ever have any situations that you had to claim your copyrights no but i there were situations where people did copy me (laughs) i mean you can't police everybody can't please everybody. It's fine. Yeah, look, I take it as a compliment, right? I mean, look, I mean, <clears throat> I've had 300 instructors come and go and get certified. Who's to say those instructors who are not certified, who let their certification lapse, are teaching my method somewhere else? I don't know. I mean, you just hope that they won't, but it's what it is, you know? Well, but anyway, like for everyone who's developing your own uh, program, your own like intellectual product related to dance it's always helpful to actually register it and protect because okay maybe for some small things it's not worth even bugging or bothering about trying to have a lot right but it's important to have protection in case in case you actually need it especially if you're going to go bigger with it so how many uh students how many dancers uh today uh approximately took your classes or your programs if you're talking worldwide (laughs) do you have any possible idea of the scale (laughs) oh my lord because i'm also a fitness presenter so i present my workout at fitness conferences as well as belly dance conferences oh my lord i don't know maybe (laughs) Hundreds of, I don't know. Hundred thousand million? Maybe, I don't know. I've taught classes with, you know, three to 500 people in it. So in in like Japan and even Atlanta, Georgia, (laughs) you know. So I I, I don't know, honestly, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. How do you see a continuation of your uh, fitness dance uh, journey? Oh, yeah. Um, my team and I are incorporating a lot more things on how to uh, how to have our instructors think out of the box and how to make money with it and how to spread the word about belly dance and change people's perspective about it, right? So <clears throat> we're incorporating this new idea of shark, this Sharky Experience package where we do, uh, excuse me, Sharky Experience Party, where people can hire us at a, for a bridal shower, a wedding, bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah, whatever it is, where we get to do <clears throat> just a Sharky Experience. And, you know, 
just like when you do a princess party, yeah, or it's when someone hires a belly dancer for like, you know, a mom event, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. So we're incorporating that into our package. Um, Let's see, we want to, um, you know, creating new apparel for our business. Um, I want to create some new workouts like a hit training, Sharky hit training, um, and definitely expand on a new website that I've launched called Sharky TV, where now people can do my workouts on demand. And, um, and I would love to do a few more joint ventures with people. That's awesome. That sounds uh, very exciting and uh, love all ideas how you uh, taking fitness and using it as a door uh, to make people enter the world of ballet dance. It's like yes. that kale and chocolate. <laughs> yes, yes. Although I'm fitness, still my passion is in the dance. I love the dance. You know, being a contemporary modern dancer, I just love just belly dancing on stage. That is my passion. And that's why I do this. I also do Sharky in hopes to get more opportunities to dance on stage, traditional belly dance. But you also, uh, you know, also I really love that you are very unapologetically open and comfortable to talk about it as a business and to, to tell, yes, I want to make money with it. I want to figure out how to make money with it. And I think a lot of dancers, uh, they have this block. I can't treat it as a business. It's art. If if I start like talking about like money, uh, it's uh, it's less uh, uh, valuable or it it beneath the art to, like down, put it down or like we have this blog that we are shy to advertise and we are shy to ask for payment in exchange of our dance classes, dance performances, services, and uh, even considering like oh I am not selling anything. Like how many dancers like have this excuse oh i'm a bad promoter bad entrepreneur bad advertiser what is your approach how like you uh, where first of all um where that freedom comes as an artist or um maybe you never had it this is very interesting experience because i talk to so many dancers who are struggling and they just have this excuse oh i'm not a good seller and I don't want to be a seller. Uh, but you have this beautiful combination of being a seller in a good way, like being a businesswoman, and have this passion to art. So how do you combine it? What can you tell those dancers who that who have those money blocks? Oh, wow. First of all, that's unfortunate that some of these men and women feel this way. Um, look, if you want to legitimize the art form, You've got to think about it as if it were ballet, tap, jazz, Broadway dance. They're all in business. They're doing it. Why not belly dance? So um, people are always saying, I want to make the, the belly dance up to par as the same as ballet and all that. Well, this is how you do it. You've got to change your mindset about it. And two, if you want to learn how to make money in this, I suggest you get certified in my format because... We will help you. We have a lot of services for you to really help you in the business. And um, if you're someone who's like, oh, I don't want to teach Sharky, whatever. Hey, try it. Don't knock it till you try it. That's one. And in order to get these services, you don't have to teach a full class of Sharky. All we're asking is that 30 minutes is just fine. 
in order for us to give you these services. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I hope that helps change your mindset about it. If this is what you love doing, you've got to think out of the box and think about it like the rest of the arts in this world that's making money. That's that's a, a great point. Just to expand a little, little bit more about it before we sum up. Um, still, what do you think is the key of this uh, mindset of earning, earning money, earning enough to live and earning enough to live good? Isn't it really about trying to get as much money out of your clients as possible? <laughs> whoever they are students participants i don't know whoever hires or is it something else that you need to have approach around or or do that can make this let's say quote selling process which is a selling but like selling art process uh more first of all more successful second easier and smooth and more uh free and natural for for people for artists Oh, that's a good question. Ah, well, about it's not about trying to get the most out of your students or the patrons or whatever. It's about getting paid what you're worth, pretty much. Think about the time that you're putting into it, all the practice, your costume, whatever it is, the practice before class. Yeah, getting paid what you're worth, but also finding that balance between loving what you do, you know, Um um, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, it's also trying to figure out how much money do you need to make to live? You know what I mean? Um, and then figuring that part out and that's how you figure out how much you need to get paid. Um, I mean, we, we teach you how to do that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's all about, you know, we, we having, you know, the savings account, this, this cash to help pay for your business. And then what do you make on top of that? That's what you get as profit to live on. So mm. I love all this, though, all these elements like getting paid what you are worth and not uh, uh, treating uh, several no's or even a bunch of no's as uh, uh, your signal to stop doing anything. It just meant you didn't find your own client. You need to find a way to be paid worth what you uh, should be paid for the services. Also element of actually loving what you do because otherwise why to do it? Just go and do something else. Of course. Of course. But I kind of feel uh, just something like up on all the conversation and like having a pro like feeling of what you incorporating in your classes is thinking about serving your clients serving your students serving people who you work and who you take money from like otherwise because some dancers they feel like bad or oh, we are taking money from people no you're receiving exchange for the services absolutely that you are providing those people so it's yeah both directions it's about serving and giving your best and thinking what those people need and what they are looking for and that's exactly what you are doing in the class you are not thinking about oh i want to do this fitness class you're thinking first how people think how can i deliver that and how can i deliver it in the way that i think will be no, I would word differently. How can I deliver things that I think will be useful for them in a way that they are looking for to be delivered? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. 
And, and, and just and for me, I feel like it's so easy. I mean, look, I'm a natural born hustler. All right. <laughs> so it's I'm born from Arabic parents already, you know, and I'm from New York City. So like, yeah, I know that's a combination. <laughs> I can imagine. So I've never thought twice about asking for money for what I do. I just yeah, just yeah. Well, I, I, I would love to help those people that may be struggling with that. So, so tell us where people can uh, find you, uh, where they can find more about your uh, classes, about your teaching certification uh, programs, as well as uh, uh, what is your favorite social uh, media where people, people can um, look at you, as well as tag you, because I know a lot of our listeners love to screenshot episodes that they're listening to and share it uh, um, on social media. So which platforms are your favorite so they can tag you and maybe send some comment or message to you there? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we're, I'm mainly on Instagram and Facebook, and it's at Sharkey Workout. That's S-H-A-R-Q-U-I Workout. Um, they can find more about my format on sharkey.com. If they are interested in teaching the format, they can go to teachsharkey.com. And if they want to just get some workouts in, they can go to sharkey.com tv.com where i have beginner advanced beginner intermediate and advanced workouts and i'm always putting out more workouts so the library is going to be really full and that we're offering at a really great price only nine dollars and 97 cents a month oh wow that's a great deal yeah. well uh i will definitely put all these links in the show notes so whoever is listening you know you know the drill <laughs> all all the information uh, all the useful uh, juicy links and more resources are in the show notes so go there and click and go directly um and uh, follow or read in her studio and all the activities um and uh just before i ask our traditional signature question of the podcast i just wanted to uh to thank you for your uh time and for sharing and being so open and like discussing a lot of topics that um sometimes as dancers we are shy to talk or we don't want to think about or like keep it as a on the our like back back mind is like oh no first art everything else will somehow will work out so i'm very uh, thankful for you sharing uh very straightforward and like no no excuse to escape this topic stuff uh for dancers to think about but also uh thank you for telling about your uh dance fitness uh marriage experience <laughs> that's a very beautiful and i really love how you You're not only thinking about it as a business or as a fitness thing. You're actually thinking about it as a gateway for popularizing uh, belly dance. And that's what I kind of yeah. feel sometimes people are not giving enough credits and just focusing too much. Oh, it needs to be uh, poor. It needs to be authentic. Although we don't even can really... Um, Uh, communicate what is authentic in this dance form it's it's a very complicated topic but we sometimes too much focusing on um already existing belly dance environment like of belly dance festivals competitions existing schools uh, or like gigs uh, forgetting that there is so many people who have no idea about this beautiful uh art form 
and um yeah how many of us entered Baladance just because of some i don't know tv soap opera <laughs> or or singer or literally in the fitness at the gym uh fitness class and uh how beautiful after that journey continued and uh, we cannot take it away from other people who have not discovered it yet (laughs) we need to deliver it more and more and thank you for for doing it and thank you for sharing your experience with us on the podcast (laughs) my pleasure it was fun and i'm very excited to ask uh, our uh, signature uh, question of the podcast uh, which you might have heard already <laughs> so i'm very excited to hear your thoughts and your uh, your answer but the question is what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years i have two answers i have a, a personal answer and then an, a professional answer so my personal answer for myself i i go back to ballet dance again and again because it makes me appreciate my body. I feel beautiful doing it from the inside out. Um, I just, I feel just, I feel just amazing. And I just feel like all my qualms about my body image goes away. Um, professionally, why I go back to belly dance is because I love making an impact. I love making an impact on people. Um, I love that aha moment that people get when they're like, Oh shit, I can do it. I just did that. Sorry. Can I say That's that? That's awesome. Word? No, go okay. ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and like, and just, just women, you know, especially like who just gave birth and like, wow, wow, I look great. I look great again, you know, in their minds. So that's why I go back to belly dance. Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, Do you know the best way to support this project is to share it with your friends. It takes few seconds, costs you nothing, but it helps a lot to move this project forward and help me to bring more awesome guests on the podcast in the future. You can tell your friend, you can send a message, email, you can screenshot and put a a post on social media, whatever works better for you. But if every one of you will share this episode at least with one more person, it will make a huge difference for this podcast. Thank you for spending your time with us, for your support and love. And until next time, keep shimming, keep dancing, and I will see you soon.